Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. The opponent preview series rolling on here. EA, myself, breaking down the Jets week three opponent, the Indianapolis Colts. And we'll hear from Andrew Walker, who works for Colts.com. He's one of their writers. And we'll talk all things Colts with him. And EA, the Colts last year went seven and nine. They bring in Phillip Rivers. And I think you and I are in agreement here where this team is a very good team, even though they didn't make the playoffs last year. It's a very good team that's added two really monstrous pieces. There are questions at the quarterback position. What were they going to do after uh, Jacoby Brissett took over for Andrew Luck? And the Colts countered in this offseason, and they get Phillip Rivers, who potentially is a Hall of Famer. A lot of people think he's a shoe-in Hall of Famer. Guy's passed for nearly 60,000 yards in his career, a 65% passer. He's towards the end of his career, but they have a lot of pieces on the offensive side of the football, and he's familiar with the system having experience under Frank Reich before, so that makes a lot of sense. Then on the other side of the ball, they needed an interior defensive lineman who could really get after opposing offenses and make it a long day for uh, people in their respective backfields and DeForest Buckner enters. And that surprised a lot of people in the National Football League because there are people thought that Buckner was the best player on a 13-3 and San Francisco 49ers team that held a lead over the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So you're adding a piece in Buckner who – automatically makes your defense a lot better and you've upgraded at the most important position in all sports quarterback as you go from Brissett, who did some nice things but I would say he was rather inconsistent and you add a guy like Rivers you know I know that teams that play inside a dome might get labeled a little soft you know maybe historically well I think that's the opposite with this Colts team this is a team that likes to run the ball and they're led by Quentin Nelson who of course is tied to the Jets because the Jets traded up with the Colts in 2018 from the sixth spot to the three spot the Colts end up taking Quentin Nelson with the sixth overall pick and he's a phenomenal player and that offensive line might be one of if not the best in football and they have kind of a three-headed monster in the backfield with Marlon Mack he's a very I think maybe an overlooked running back in this league I know he had a very good year last year and then Naheem Hines was more of your pass catcher and then they add Jonathan Taylor in the draft who surprised a lot of people at Lucas Oil Stadium with his 40-yard dash time despite being a big physical guy so it's going to be interesting to see how those three split carries but this is a team that likes to get after it on the ground and the Jets had the number two run defense in the NFL last year, but make no mistake, this is going to be a dogfight, I think, in Indianapolis. Yeah, it, it really is. And then on the defensive side of the ball, behind Buckner, you're talking about a, a guy who's so crazy productive in Darius Leonard, um, just plays with a nonstop motor, and that defense is physical as well. And you mentioned the balance the Colts have offensively. For years, we thought of Indianapolis as that finesse team inside the dome that 
they're going to play around Peyton Manning and get the receivers and throw the football and the, the offensive linemen are going to be a little bit better in pass protection. And nah, that's not the case anymore. These guys do like to get after you and they have an option for balance because yeah, they can grind you. They can get after you on the ground with those three guys and those nasty dudes up front. But then the receivers on the outside, they got T.Y. Hilton. They added Pittman in the draft. Uh, they got so they got Jack Doyle at tight end. So they present a lot of matchup problems because they're so balanced offensively. And then the trademark of that defense is fast. Um but they're physical as well, and and Buckner was uh, it's such a critical piece, I thought. And when I look at the AFC South, I say they're the clear favorite. I like Deshaun Watson a lot in Houston, and you have to respect the Texans. But the bottom bottom line is, and Tennessee had a great run to the AFC Championship game. But if you're me and you are sitting there picking our division winners and maybe we'll do that down the line here in the official podcast i'll, I'll go with the colts and the afc south all right i love it okay well let's hear from andrew walker of colts.com to hear what he has to say about the indianapolis colts i want to start off with this obviously the colts biggest free agent addition is philip rivers what will he bring to this colts offense that maybe it was missing last year yeah, I think it's just, you know, the Colts entered this offseason, you know, obviously seven and nine last year, start off five and two. Things were really rolling. You beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. You head into your bye week feeling good. But then, you know, things just kind of stumbled from there. It's kind of the opposite of 2018, where, you know, you start off rough and then you win nine of 10 and you make the playoffs. So I think when Frank Reich and Chris Ballard kind of look back and evaluate totally kind of the offense and, and what was going on, the the big play was missing and, and you know the Colts are real going to be really good at running the ball that's always going to be their bread and butter um you know with with Quentin Nelson of course up front and and that offensive line and it's just the way Frank Reich likes to go but they needed a little bit more oomph I guess in the in the passing game and Jacoby Brissett can do it but they just need a little bit more consistency and it was a unique opportunity with Philip Rivers in that yeah you know 37 maybe last year didn't have his greatest year and of course the Chargers struggled as a team just in general um, but I think it was a unique opportunity where you get a guy in Philip Rivers that played under Frank Reich under offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni with the Chargers in San Diego for at least three years with Frank Reich and a little bit more with Sirianni Frank Reich was his offensive coordinator for a couple of years so you get that unique opportunity to bring in a guy that you're very familiar with who knows your offense, who just needs to pick up a few more kind of things that you've learned along the way since that time. You bring him in. He's a guy that will, uh, you know, be a big leader for you. You don't have to worry about any of that. And uh, you hope you can just get ready and, and roll with him. And especially with the way this offense has gone, this, this off season has gone, as we all know, just the COVID-19 pandemic rivers is a guy now that can just go in and, and play. You're not worried about it. If, if he was a guy that you had no familiarity with, so, um, so I think the Colts see that as a plus too. What do you think Philip Rivers have has left? Sixty five percent career passer has thrown for nearly sixty thousand yards in yeah. his career. The number that jumped out at me last year was the twenty interceptions. Do you think you talked about the system fit? 
But where do you think he's at physically and how can the, the pieces around him maybe make him a better throw, a better player in 2020 than he was in 2019? Right. I went back and I looked at, I think Philip Rivers has three previous, you know, counting last year, 20 interception seasons. Now, again, I'm, I'm throwing the age caveat out there. Now he's 37 and, and 38, getting on 38 and all that. I understand that. But the other two times he had thrown 20 picks, he responded with huge years the years after that. So he has a little bit of that chip on his shoulder type mentality that that he can draw from. But I think just, you know, if you're talking tangible things that you can look at and say, you know, Philip Rivers can have a bounce back here because of this, I think it's the Colts offensive line. I mean, I think it's, you know, I, I hate to sound biased, obviously look at what I'm wearing, but I think it's one of the... <laughs> I think it's one of the top, you know, units in the NFL, just in general, if we're talking run blocking, pass protecting, uh, I think this Colts offensive line does it all. And I think that's a big reason Philip Rivers wanted to sign an Indy besides just the familiarity with Frank Reich. Um, the Chargers had some issues with their offensive line last year. They, they had injuries. Um, they had some inconsistent play. So I think that was, a, a, you know, a reason, you know, Philip Rivers isn't going to be moving around a lot. We, we know that he's, he's going to stay in the pocket. So I think the, the Colts wanted a guy who could come in, run their offense, and just get rid of the ball, take a few uh, calculated chances down the field, and then be able to hand the ball off to now Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor now in the mix, um, Naeem Hines at running back, a uh, great option out of the backfield in the passing game. So all those reasons put together, and I haven't even mentioned T.Y. Hilton, mm -hmm. Jack Doyle, um, those guys, Trey Burton new at, at tight end, um, you know, and then, of course, all the other weapons you've added at wide receiver. Uh, you know, that those are kind of the reasons why, you know, there's reason to believe that Philip Rivers can have a bounce back here. Now, Frank Reich said, I watched all of his tape from last year. I didn't see anything physically uh, wrong with him. I, I think he still uh, can get the job done and make all the throws. So I, I trust Frank Reich when it comes to that. You know, he's a former NFL quarterback and a longtime coach now. Um, so, you know, I, I think Philip Rivers has all the uh, tools he needs now um, to have a nice bounce back year. Um, and, and we'll see how it plays out. Andrew, what do you make of the Colts receivers? You mentioned T.Y. Hilton, and of course, they drafted Michael Pittman. But what's your evaluation of the entire group, more so excluding T.Y.? Yeah, so, you know, uh, just starting out, you know, with T.Y., of course, bouncing back from injuries for the first time really in his career. He's been he's been healthy. Um, he's taken care of himself. And and then last year just kind of had a couple freak things pop up on him. And, and he, you know, obviously played in the fewest games, 10 of his career. So we'll exclude him for now just because if he's healthy, we all know what T.Y. Hilton can do. If you're looking at, at, at these wide receivers, Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC, the second-round pick at 34th overall, I mean, this guy seems to be just a solid, solid guy that can come in and contribute right away. Um, he's a guy you can line up on the outside. Um, he's a guy that, that is kind of like a quarterback's best friend. He, he has great hands. He runs great routes. Um, he can make a big play for you if you need it. And he's got kind of deceptive speed for his size. So he's a guy the Colts are really excited about. Um, you know, obviously this wide receiver class was loaded and, and you knew whoever you got um, early in that second round, which is probably going to be a stud. But but Pittman was a guy they had their eyes on for months. Uh, Frank Reich said he thought he might have been the best receiver in the draft a couple months ago. So um, so you got that. But on top of that, you have Paris Campbell returning. We, we had a chance to talk to him earlier in the week out of Ohio State last year, second round pick. He had just maybe the worst luck with injuries I've ever seen last year as a rookie. He had a sport. He had a, a hamstring injury during training camp. Only played one preseason game. 
uh, week four or five, had a, a sports hernia, had to have surgery, came back a few weeks later, broke his hand, had surgery, came back uh, a few weeks later and broke his foot, tried to play through that, and then had to have surgery and go on IR. So really none of those are his fault, just, just having to be bad luck. He's a guy with speed in the slot that can make a big difference. He just has to be available. Let's flip to the defensive side of the ball and talk about DeForest Buckner. How surprised were you that he was available to the Colts? And of course, they ran up to give their first round selection number 13 overall uh, to acquire him. And what is he going to mean to the defense? And also, what is he going to mean as far as intangibles in the locker room? DeForest Buckner just turned 26. Second team all pro last year, one of the best at his positions. But what kind of strikes me is Chris Ballard entered the offseason. He knew on offense you need to, to have more big plays. Okay, you get Philip Rivers, um, you know, you get Michael Pittman, you help address that. But, you know, it's on defense, he said, we have, you know, in this 4 3 defense that the Colts run, you have to have a dominant three tech and, and a guy up front that, that just collapses pockets, that takes on double teams in the run game and, and makes plays. And I, you know, I, I knew that that was a big part of the defense, but I, I just kind of looked at who was available and I didn't know like who you could bring in. But the fact that Chris Ballard, who, who infamously said, I like them picks when talking about, you know, will you trade picks to move up and, and all that. Um, I was surprised at first, you're going to trade the number 13 pick for a guy, but then you look at who it's for. There's maybe only two or three defensive tackles in football that you would do that for. And DeForest Buckner is one of them. You want more consistency as a group. And I think DeForest Buckner alone brings that credibility and and that consistency and that'll help everyone else around him. Andrew, I think when a lot of people, at least externally from Indianapolis, think about the Colts defense, my eyes at least go to Darius Leonard in the middle of that defense. And I'm just curious what you make of this defense. And if you're the Jets, let's say, when they come to Indianapolis in week three, how do you go about attacking that group? Yeah, yeah. First with Darius, I mean, just talk about Chip. I talked about Chip on his shoulder earlier with Philip Rivers, but man, this is a guy that his whole life has been a chip on his shoulder. You know, he under it wasn't recruited really coming out of high school tried to get almost gotten to clemson but there's last minute paperwork stuff goes to south carolina state stars there um doesn't get much recognition coming into the draft but the colts see a perfect fit for him at that will linebacker spot and and of course people you know bleach report dogs that you know the worst pick of the draft he saves that screenshot puts it in his phone goes on to become NFL defensive rookie of the year and first team all pro last year had some injuries early, but then was second team all pro. So, but he's a guy that's a difference maker in the middle part of your field that, that just runs around and, and makes plays for you. Um, but if you're, if, if you're the jets coming in against this defense, it's going to be early. We, we know that it's going to be what week three. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we know that, you know, this defense, I think the one place people are looking, I think the front seven, for this Colts defense is about as solid as it gets. You know, I'm not saying they're going to have the 49ers defensive line or, or, or anything like that, but they have the pieces in place to be one of the better front sevens in the NFL. It's the back end that there, there's kind of a few questions. It's not like they don't have players there. They've got, you know, they've got Kenny Moore, who who's one of the better slot uh, cornerbacks in the NFL. Um, got Malik Hooker, the first round pick at safety. Um, and, and, and of course, Kari Willis last year as a rookie played really well at safety, but in Rocky sin, the second round pick last year. So you have pieces there. You just got to see him play a little bit more consistently. 
Um, so I, I won't be surprised at all if Sam Darnold comes in week three, um, you know, and of course you have Le'Veon Bell and all that, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of doing more of a quick strike thing with the guys on the outside to try to make the Colts cornerbacks and safeties make plays, um, let a few things develop down the field. The Colts are going to make plays against the run. You're not going to be able to, you know, rarely do you, does a rusher get a hundred yards against this defense. So you're not going to really run the ball with a ton of consistency. Uh, that's been proven the last couple of years, but I will be interested to see how opposing offenses want to come in and challenge the secondary. Great segue. So the Colts <laughs> changing pieces in the secondary, that includes the comings of Xavier Rhodes and TJ Carey. But let's talk about some former Colts cornerbacks who have found a home right. in the New York Jets. What are the green and white getting in Pierre Desir and also Quincy Wilson, a former second round pick? Uh, and Obviously, Nate Harrison's already in this defensive backfield, but let's just stick with those two right now because we could talk for 30 minutes about (laughs) the cornerback. Yeah. Former Colts on the Jets roster. That's Um, right. So, Desir and Quincy Wilson. Desir, I'll start with him. Solid. Just just solid all around. You're talking as a cornerback, you're talking as a person. Um, go and look at his story. If, if you're a Jets fan or, or, or if you're covering the team, go and look at Pierre Desir's story. Amazing. A, a guy that at a young age, um, you know, has a child as a teenager, comes in, uh, works his butt off, you know, low-level college football. I think his program got canceled. He had to find another team. Somehow finds himself, you know, in the NFL, and he's worked his way up from there. Last year just kind of battled some inconsistency with some injuries. And kind of like what you see, you know, Chris Bowers has some time to build this thing, this roster with the Colts. So, you know, when that happens, you're going to have guys playing positions for you when you're talking about uh, you're talking about Desir or Quincy Wilson or guys like that. You're talking guys that will play roles for you, but over time you're going to start drafting guys. You're going to bring in, bring in free agents. So eventually those roles kind of diminish in, in favor of those other guys. And it doesn't mean, that, that Pierre Desir and Quincy Wilson aren't good players. It just means that, that you have other guys ready to take on those roles or you had other ideas with free agents. So, so the Jets are, are going to try to benefit from that like they have with the, the 10 or 12, 11 other guys they have, former Colts on, on their roster. But, <laughs> but if we're talking corner-specific, Desir's a solid guy, just needs to kind of, you know, kind of had some injury inconsistency last year, but, but a very solid guy. Quincy Wilson – a guy that that's battled inconsistency as far as just with, I, I don't want to say practice. I, I don't know exactly what happened there, but a guy that, that kind of would play a role and then he would kind of be on the bench or inactive. And it, you never really knew exactly what was going on there, but he does have a ton of talent in there. And I think if he can play a consistent role on your defense, you might be able to dig something out of there and find that second round talent. Um, and then Nate Hairston, a guy that, that, his rookie year played really solid in the slot. It's just Kenny Moore's just really, really good. So he wasn't really going to see a whole lot of time um, it, on, in this Colts secondary. So, so they sent him to the Jets. So, so that's kind of how, how I would wrap up those three guys, three guys that, that are solid players, um, three guys you want on your roster. It's just other players had opportunities uh, to play for the Colts now that you've had time to build it. 
EA, when you look at these two teams and maybe some matchups that are one important for the Jets to at least, you know, hold their own in, if not win, and then two for the Jets to actually exploit, I think maybe the most important matchup will be their defensive line against the Colts offensive line. When you talk about what the Colts like to do and they like to set the tone up front and not to mention Philip Rivers, Andrew Walker talked about this. He's not the most mobile guy to say the least. And then on the other side of that, maybe when the Jets are on offense, if I'm Sam Darnold, much to Andrew's point as well, I think you're Adam Gase right now as we sit here recording this podcast, you're looking to exploit the secondary because that's probably where you're going to have the most success. Yeah, cornerback questions. You know, it, they have some moving pieces the Colts do. And can Sam Darnold exploit them on the outside? Because as Andrew said, the Colts have been difficult to run on. And then on the other side of the ball, when Indianapolis has it, it's just, can you make them can you make them less balanced because they present matchup issues because they're so balanced potentially with rivers there. Whereas it's not just the ground game and it's not just the receivers because they got the tight end and Jack Doyle. They can come at you in so many different ways with so many different personnel sets. Uh, How quickly is it going to come together for Philip Rivers and company? But the thing that is going, they have going for them is that he's played under Reich before. So even though that they're not together this spring, he knows the system. Yeah. I was about to say the same thing. Typically, the quarterback goes to a new team, there's going to be a learning curve in a typical season, let alone a season where the off-season program is pretty much entirely virtual, hopefully up until training camp. But that's not the case here because Phillip Rivers is so familiar with this system. And this is a team that pretty much has had almost an entire carryover similar to the San Francisco 49ers who the Jets play the week before the Colts. And honestly, EA may be the one thing that could help the Jets, especially defensively, is the fact that they have Pierre Desir and Quincy Wilson and even to an extent Nate Hairston, but mainly Desir and Wilson, two players that lined up every day up against this offense and up against the receivers, excluding Michael Pittman, that the Jets will be seeing in week three. Maybe that will play to the Jets' strength, especially early on in the season. All right, you got to help me with numbers because Andrew Walker said 10 former Colts on the Jets, and that might be right. Uh, uh, you know, I started thinking of numbers when he spoke about the crossover here. Now, we first go to the defensive backfield, Nate Harrison, as you mentioned, and Pierre Desir. And obviously Quincy Wilson. Well, Terrell Basham. For sure. Um, Henry Anderson. Henry Anderson. There's five. Josh Andrews, I'm pretty sure, is a former Colts. Most recently with the Colts. That's correct. There's Uh, six. Thomas Hennessy. How about that? Seven. Uh, who else are we missing here? Ross Travis, who the Jets signed late, late in the season, the former Penn Stater. Um, now, we, now I'm going through the roster here, and you're making me think. Are we Frank uh, Gore? Oh, Frank Gore! <laughs> you got up to nine. <laughs> well, uh, you, okay. you don't even you don't even think about Frank Gore because he played with so many teams, and most recently it was with the Buffalo Bills. And of late, Gore Arthur Millette. Arthur Millette. That's ten. 
from four in the yeah. secondary. Oh. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of horseshoes or former horseshoes. Oh, I'm pretty sure Matthias Farley's a former Colt too, isn't he? I believe so. And then uh, Rex Hogan, of course, assistant GM for the New York Jets, uh, most recently was with Indianapolis for a couple years before he came back. So yes, a lot of fam- familiarity. Oh, Jonathan Harrison. Oh my God. <laughs> We're up, yeah, we're, we're this up, is really like this is like the New York Colts. <laughs> we're up to twelve, but um, I, I I think Greens these teams are going to be forever linked from that St. Patrick's Day trade where the Jets got in position long before Joe Douglas came on board. But that's one of the reasons I think he was probably attracted to this franchise is that he has a young quarterback that he feels awfully high of in Sam Darnold and the Colts got a lot of volume there, a lot of players, a lot of quantity, and they got quality too. For the Jets, they had to make that move to go from six to three and we'll forever be tracking not only Sam Darnold, but Baker Mayfield for months. We thought Sam Darnold was going to go one to uh, Cleveland and then the Jets were going to, potentially have a decision there between Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen and Josh Allen. But the guy who went 32nd in that draft, the last pick in the first round was the NFL's MVP last year, Lamar Jackson. I think these two teams will be linked because of that, but I do agree with Andrew that it really feels like the Colts cashed in on the picks that they received from the Jets. And they, that's a credit to Chris Ballard and that staff, but That was another edition of the official Jets podcast, the opponent preview series. EA and I breaking down the Indianapolis Colts. And the next up, the Jets go prime time Thursday night football against the Denver Broncos. Mm -hmm.